Hi, I'm Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you, and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Is That Even Legal? On this podcast, we discuss what's legal. And today, we're discussing what's legal in family law. And our guest today is Spencer Schieffer. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You're considered an expert in the field of family law and that you practice in family law. And you're well-regarded, well-known. Uh, I could toot your horn. You cannot. You know, you've got to remain <laughs> humble, right? So uh, Most of the time. But the funny thing about family law is I always consider find it family law to be an odd term because it's it should be more aptly named anti-family law. I'm not <laughs> I'm not dogging your career. I'm not but it seems odd that it's family law, but you're the guy getting me the divorce when it when it goes south, right? In fairness, I do adoptions as well. So Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not like I said, not dogging your career. It's essential to justice. It is, yes. That way we don't kill each other. You know, we could just amicably amicably figure out a way to resolve our dispute, right? Yes. Okay. There I brought you on to talk about a really specific case, and it's the case of Terrell versus Torres. F- family law is 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 challenging. And and this is a case that happened here locally in Arizona. And, but it's something that has national importance. And it, it, the, the national news picked up the story. The local news picked up the story. And I really didn't like how they talked about it because family law is so personal to, these, to people. Yes. I mean, it's about people's lives, their everyday life. And I didn't like how they talked about the story. And I, so I want to dive deeper here today. I want to get in more specifically into the story. Let me tell you what I know, and then I'm going to ask you to help me out, okay? For sure. So what I know is Torres, the wife, she had a medical condition. Apparently, she was suffering from cancer, and this is prior to their getting married, but she was together with Terrell, her her, uh, boyfriend at the time. And as she's facing down this very serious medical problem, She's concerned, and and she's concerned that she won't be able to have children, something she deeply wants. And so she and her boyfriend go to a fertility clinic. They harvest the, her eggs, and, and with his sperm, they create embryos at the fertility clinic. I got this right so far? That's correct. Now, they soon thereafter get married, or sometime thereafter get married, and then the the marriage does not go swimmingly, and they end up getting divorced, and then we're left with, among other things to deal with in the divorce, what to do with the embryos, All right? That's right. Okay. What happened at the trial court? Yeah, so 
and, and your recollection is correct, and, and they got married four days, I believe, after creating the embryos. So in the divorce, this was you know the big issue in this case of what to do with these embryos, who was to get them. Uh, their positions at the trial level were, were uh, Taurus, she wanted the embryos. She wanted to create and, and have a child, have a pregnancy, and have a child later on. And Terrell, the husband at the time, he did not want to have a child out there that was part half him uh, and have a child with Taurus. So he... Wait, wait, but we're not, we're talking about after the divorce. She wants a child with her her soon-to-be ex-husband. Correct. And he's saying, I don't want to have a baby with you. Right, yeah. He's, he, his position is, I'm about to be divorced from you. I don't want to have a child in common with you. Her position was, I just want to have a child. And these are my these embryos are my chance of having a child that's with my ex. So this is her this is her option, right? I mean, she's seeing this, this is my option to have a baby, and he's saying, I can't do this with you. Right. So that's what the trial judge was left with, of those competing positions, one who wants to have a child, create a family, the other one who says, I don't want to procreate, not with you know, my soon-to-be ex-wife. And so what the trial judge did is he did a balancing test. He tried to balance it out, and at the end of the day, what he came out with was uh, he's going to give greater weight to Terrell, the you know, husband, of not wanting to procreate with his soon-to-be ex-wife over the interest and desire of Torres, who wanted to have a child. And so under the terms of the agreement that they signed with the clinic, uh, the option really was to donate the embryos to someone else, to a third party. Okay, wait a minute. So when they went out, this, let's talk about a couple of the things you hit with. Yeah. When they went out to have the embryos created at the fertility clinic, they they sign a contract, right? Correct. And the contract says essentially that they have some options. And what were the options? Yeah, so there were two main boxes that they could check. One was to destroy the embryos, which they did not check. And then the other one said that they would uh, either present the, the clinic with an agreement that they both signed or a court order saying what to do with the embryos, and the two options were really to donate to a third party or give the embryos to one of them to use for later. So in the event of divorce, in the event they don't want these embryos, they had those options. Did they check the option to, de- to destroy the embryos? Uh, they did not. They checked the other box, which was kind of gave two options, either donate to a third party or give them the embryos to one of them to then use later on if they wanted. I can't imagine what the trial judge was thinking. I mean, this is, he's being asked to decide a matter of life. Uh, in a sense, yes, absolutely. And, or could have been she, could be the she, I don't know if it was male or female, the, the judge, but this judge is made in a really precarious position. What did the judge decide when they ended up with the, with the uh, balancing test? Yeah, so what they, they came in favor of the husband of balancing a, a person's right to not procreate. And so what they ended up ordering is to have the embryos donated to a third party. And neither Terrell nor Torres could keep the embryos for themselves. What about the Court of Appeals? 
Yeah, so they appealed that decision, Torres did, and the Court of Appeals basically did the same balancing test, uh, but they came up on the opposite side. Uh, well, at least, so for context, Court of Appeals, it's three-judge panel, two of the judges said, we think the trial judge got it wrong, balance test should be reversed, Torres should be able to keep the embryos. There was one of those judges who dissented and said, I disagree. But it was two against one, so that was the decision, so trial judge got reversed. What happened to the Supreme Court of Arizona? What happened there? Yeah, so that's where it takes uh, a little bit of an interesting turn because up to this point, trial judge, court of appeals, they're doing this balancing test, balancing, you know, the husband versus the wife's interests, desires. And the uh, the Supreme Court basically said, well, the trial judge got it right, but for the wrong reasons, and neither one of you should be doing this balancing test. This is a contractual issue. Let's look at the contract and see exactly what the contract says and what the contract allows. So agreed with the trial court, but on totally different reasons. It's just a matter of contract. Exactly. Yeah, so they agreed with the trial court. Uh, embryos have to be donated to a third party. Neither one gets them. But it was because of the way the contract was written and structured. Okay. That's heavy stuff. We think about, I mean, the the life of of human being is being decided based on contract. I want to talk about, though, step away from that, this case a little bit, and talk about what would happen if the Supreme Court hadn't decided the way they had. What would happen if the it wasn't a matter of contract and they would they and that the husband would have been forced to have children after the marriage had terminated. So I want to talk about that. Let me run through a couple couple yeah. questions. Let's say four years after the divorce, the wife says, now ex-wife, I think it's time for me to have a baby, obtains a viable pregnancy, and the child is now born. Okay? Yep. What are the implications for that husband? Is he on the hook for child support? Is that even legal to request child support from him? You know, that's a great question because it's it's really unresolved at this point. I don't know that there's been a case out there to address that specific issue, um, but technically it's very possible. I mean, he is the father of that child. That uh, is, uh, you know, part of his DNA. And so there's an argument to be made that maybe, yes, he's going to be on, on the hook for child support for the next 18 years. I mean, that blows my mind, right? I mean, and I, and I feel like the Supreme Court was sidestepping that issue because really this is his kid. Right, it is. And on the same token, though, he should possibly get parenting time if she has this child for years later. That's right. That's the, that's the flip side of that coin is, you know, she may be thinking, well, I'm going to have this child and, you know, regardless of what her thoughts are on getting child support or not out of the biological father, you know, he may come back and say, well, you know what? I didn't want to have the child before, but that is my child. So I want to have parenting time. I want to have decision making. I want to be a part of that child's life. And that's kind of an unsettled issue as well. And that seems really, really difficult too, because four years later, she could be married to a new man. Yeah, absolutely. And now they're in this three-way relationship, right? The current husband, of, uh, the current husband and wife, and the ex-husband, right? That's right. Okay. What about grandparents' rights? So, let's say she has the baby. 
husband, ex-husband wants to be part of the life or doesn't, but the grandparents, of, the parents of the ex-husband, the grandparents of the child, they possibly could have rights too, correct? It's possible. Uh, it all depends on how paternity is established. So once paternity is, gets established, then let's say the, the paternal grandparents in this scenario, uh, they may be able to assert some grandparents' visitation rights, uh, you know, derivative through the father. Wow, this is really, this is really heavy stuff. Um, the other thing I thought about when we're dealing with creation of embryos uh, through, you know, through non-traditional means, the what he, is the the implications of donating to another couple? So, I, my my wife and I, we want to have children. We're un, unable to conceive through natural means. We go to the fertility clinic. We create the embryos. We signed a contract. If we cannot agree, the the embryos are donated to a third party. We need to decide we don't want to destroy the embryos. Now I'm in a situation where little bobs are running around <laughs> that I have no ability to parent, no legal right to parent. Is that right? That would be right, and that would be based on the the decision that was made when you entered that contract to donate those embryos to a third party. But what about on the on the flip side? Where if I signed that that contract and said, in the event we can't agree, I want you to destroy these embryos, and then I have a moment of conscience, and then that divorce, I say, no, I no, I can't have my my embryos of me be destroyed. I'm potentially stuck. Uh, I think the way that the Arizona Supreme Court came down in this case and strictly interpreted the contract between these two people, I would say, yes, I think you are going to be stuck. Okay. But this, you know, this, this take creation of human life through the non-traditional means, There's, for example, this could have implications to a lesbian couple who want to not create a child through a fertility lab, but create it through perhaps uh, a friend who's willing to provide, you know, his services, if, if you will. Yeah, it, it's and I've uh, you know that situation has happened before, um, and people I'm sure go that route for you know a variety of reasons, potentially financially, and in those scenarios, uh, there's no the the law is you know. There's going to be two parents, There's going to, or at least biologically parents. There's going to be a father, there's going to be a mother, and under the law, they have certain rights. And so uh, unless certain you know, precautions are taken or contracts written, uh, there may be very unintended consequences of going that route. And you know, someone, maybe the man who's going to donate his services uh, directly, uh, he may have a change of heart and say, maybe I do want to be a father and may want to assert some rights, or perhaps the biological mother in that situation may change her mind and say, well, I'm not going to be married to, you know, my wife anymore, and I maybe I do want child support from this guy. Wow. Surrogacy. What about surrogacy? How does that, how does that look, play into Arizona or law with regard to uh, um, parental rights? Yeah, surrogacy is difficult because Arizona right now uh, – does not recognize or enforce uh, surrogacy contracts. 
So people who want to go that route have to really understand the risks of that, that even though they may have something in writing on surrogacy, uh, the court's not going to enforce it if the surrogate mother changes her mind. Hmm. One of the things that I want to know, I want to, as a takeaway, I want, I want you to give me the freebie here. Sure. If, <laughs> if I'm, you know, if, if I'm a parent or hopefully future parent that's facing one of these decisions to have a child in a non-traditional way, what should I do? Because when I look at this case, I look at the facts of this case, I look at the decision, I feel like a lot of things are out of my control. How do I get it back into my control? Yeah, I think the way that you gain control is uh, you really should have a consultation with a guy like me uh, and explain the situation, explain what you want to do, and then get a real uh, good understanding of what your options are and what the consequences could be from a legal standpoint. Um, and I know that this is really not something that a lot of people think about. When people are thinking about having uh, a child, creating a family, uh, especially in a non-traditional way, their focus is really just on that end goal of having that child and the joy that that's going to bring. And this is probably not top of mind of, let's, I, I want to have a child, I need to go see a lawyer. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not very romantic. It's not. It's not. But the way that the Arizona Supreme Court dealt with this case and how it was really strictly down to a, a contract provision uh, indicates to me and what I, I think people need to understand is, uh, especially with this type of scenario with, with embryos, I think that's how future cases are going to be decided. So before you go through with it, before you sign, I would take that contract, take those provisions and review it with an attorney to see, you know, what, what are your options? What are the consequences of your choices? And maybe see if there's any wiggle room, any negotiation uh, possibility to maybe change that contract a little bit. Maybe put in a provision that's going to protect you in a particular way that might uh, potentially benefit you if something goes south. Spencer, I could tell you practice with compassion, with patience. I could tell you're highly skilled. If someone out there has a legal problem in family law or a situation coming or coming up similar to this case we just discussed, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so they can get a hold of me. Uh, my direct line, which I'll give out, is 480-344-0986, or, or they can email me directly. It's uh, my first initial, S, last name Schieffer, S-C-H-I-E-F-E-R, at davismiles.com. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming out, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, folks. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.